Greetings, listeners. As you've seen, this episode is about cancel culture, and you should know that while we want the content we produce to be mostly family-friendly, we cover some adult themes in this episode as they speak to the reasons why certain individuals have been quote-unquote canceled. So keep that in mind in case there are younger listeners nearby. Also, we want to preface our discussion of cancel culture with an acknowledgement that while the term cancel culture is pretty problematic in the way it's broadly applied to many different situations, the origins of our most recent usage of the word cancel can be traced back to black Twitter and was for a while applied in pretty entertaining ways. If you'd like to know more about that, check out the link we provided in the episode description. Diddy Brad, I was looking at Sperry.com and guess what I saw? Oh, geez. What? Boat shoes? Wrong, motherfug! Boots! Head on over to Sperry.com and get 60% off of some boots you probably don't want. They'll keep your tootsies warm this winter. Welcome to Explain Yourself, the podcast where anyone can attempt to explain anything, perhaps at great risk to their professional reputation. I'm Diddy Bread. And you already know I'm the muscle hamster. Yep, yep, yep. And today, we've got a great episode. The topic is cancel culture. And our guest today is John Owen, a famous 17th century theologian. Yeah, but not really. He's uh, he's not that John oh. Owen. Oh, he isn't? Yeah. Oh. Same name, different dude. This one is more of a bar stool philosopher whom I have known since he got home from being born. There you go. Welcome, John. Hey, y'all. What's Thanks. up? Hey, does Barry call those boots like way top cider? <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Lame stuff like that they do. <laughs> okay. John's here to talk to us about cancel culture. Um, Michael, set us up a little bit for this. Yeah. So... John wanted to come on and discuss cancel culture, which I think is cool. I was thinking about this today, you know, as I was supposed to be working. And I thought like, well, to begin this discussion, we need to begin in the same way that we always begin discussions, which mm-hmm. is to define what we're actually talking about. Mm-hmm. So dictionary.com defines cancel culture as the phenomenon or practice of publicly rejecting, boycotting, or ending support for particular people or groups because of their socially or morally unacceptable views or actions. It's a lot of words. This is a lot of words. And to me, this doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But in the world in which we live, it has become, I don't know, how would you describe it, John? Like a point of controversy? It's it's definitely a phenomenon. seems like, well, maybe my perspective is skewed because I've been avoiding social media a lot lately. But (laughs) even what I do perceive going on here at I guess in this last year is like maybe it's not going on as much like the, there was a period where it was just everywhere mm-hmm. and it feels like it's kind of petered out and maybe part of that is just like there's not enough going on for people to get canceled about you know <laughs> well I think it may be that there are things going on but they're so they're so extreme and so politically elevated that it because the cancel culture was focused on individuals I think more so than groups and now it's kind of like you might you might be wanting to cancel an entire political party (laughs) you know like that's just the amount of division we have now yeah or did it did it get so big that 
maybe it lost a little bit of its power. Like, yeah, maybe. Maybe people getting fired up about something on social media doesn't accomplish what it used to. There was, there was like a period where it was kind of a novel thing for people to band together like that. And, you know, it produced results, you know, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's just taken over so much. And it it's so much uh, the nature of what's going on in general that, it, you know, it's easier to ignore. When that pe- might be true. Yeah. What I've noticed is that it just is kind of automatic and not as noticeable now. Everybody just kind of, I, it may have just been assimilated enough to where... People are like, oh, that guy did that thing? Okay. Well, yeah. we're, all, we're all just going to go ahead and disconnect <laughs> yeah, we're not, from we're that not, person and not make a big deal out of it. We're not going to care about it. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, like, they'll I'm, still cancel him, but they're not shouting about it as much, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But John and I were talking about the way we experience cancel culture and probably, like, our earlier experiences of ca- cancel culture. I was telling John <laughs> about, and he didn't remember this, and I didn't expect him to, um being in fourth grade and we were at a private christian school hence this is why we know who john owen the theologian is that's right our entire fourth grade class was told by our teacher that the company procter and gamble was somehow involved in which makes everything you use right like all of your products i didn't know this until i got home but i had never heard of procter and gamble until my teacher was telling us about it and she was saying how they're involved in some sort of satanistic cult or something and that was a rumor apparently about procter and gamble there was something about their logo that people were construing as being satanistic and that it was rumored that the CEO or whoever was a Satanist. Anyway, so we wrote letters. <laughs> not kidding. We, as fourth graders, wrote letters. This was like 1980. Who, who was your teacher? Ms. Lashley. Lashley. Ms. Lashley. I mean, we're like, what, 9, 10? Sure. 10 years old. So this would have been like 89, 90. And we wrote letters to Procter & Gamble saying we were going to boycott their products because of this. And then I remember going home and traipsing from room to room and checking the backs of all of our stuff, like the shampoo and the toothpaste. It's all peed. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> mom, did you know? And I'm sure my mother was just like, what are you it's talking all about? Like all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're the PG products. But I find this interesting because the people who kind of rally against cancel culture right now kind of live in the evangelical <laughs> camp. To me, it seems like a lot of the anti-cancel culture is coming from um, the right. Yeah. Yes. And so it's funny to me that my first experience of participating in cancel culture was spurred on by my well, conservative I mean, that, Christian teacher. I think that was yeah. part of a whole big satanic panic thing. Like it, there was the that. panic yes. of the 80s yeah, yeah. was a real thing. Like, well, I mean, you weren't in a kind of religious upbringing, no. but like, were you aware of the satanic panic? I, until you just called it the satanic panic, <laughs> I ne- literally never heard of it. Oh, okay. Because they're all Satanists in Maryland, you know? Yeah. They all yeah. just embrace yeah. That's all we did. <laughs> Sit around, just like, the devil is awesome. I, but, so you I played did. your Led Zeppelin album backwards <laughs> did, just constantly. Yeah. So I did have the experience at that school in, yes. in, in sixth grade. Who was your teacher in sixth grade? Oh, Miss, oh God. Ready? Ready. Yep. She read a book that was nothing but, the whole book was about how He-Man was Satanic. He-Man? Yeah, and the book was kind of written for 
parents. It was like directed at parents so that they would, you know, make the decision to not be buying <laughs> Masters of the Universe toys for their kids. But she read that oh book to us. We were just sitting there like, what? Why are we? Why are we doing this? Like, oh, my God. What gosh. is this about? It was it was really the weirdest thing. Like and if so, Collier knew that Reddy was doing that, he probably would have come and be like, hey, uh, what do you what maybe you maybe he would have. I mean, to me, this is it's still cancel culture, even even if you want to call it the satanic panic, that's still cancel culture because the elements that it has, I think, of cancel culture are that. We're, we're not gonna really investigate this. We're just gonna take the rumor. I mean, there wasn't really internet then, so I, I kind of get it, but it's, I just take the information you're giving me and it's very scary to me and I'm going to just embrace it right off the bat and then immediately shut down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so it seems like in a, in a religious context, there's an ancient drive to purity, right? Just like eliminate the things that are judged as unclean from your life mm. so i mean from i think most religious people that means kind of just improving habits you know getting rid of bad habits and just kind of following a set of rules that your community agrees with but I, there was this period where we were just looking out into the world for the the stuff that was out there that threatened our way of life or something. Right. And the enemy's out there. A lot of it's like, it's, it's kind of fear driven. Like if, if we allow these influence to insidiously creep into our homes, then it's almost like the demonic power of Satan is going to corrupt us. And it, <laughs> we're all, know. we're all going to be possessed by our toothpaste. Yeah. yeah I was going to say yeah. it comes through band-aids. <laughs> <laughs> Very spooky. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to, be too judgmental about you know the, the way people choose to embrace their their own sense of religion and stuff i mean that might be something that you really get a lot of positive experience about you know just getting to a sense of purity and you know if, if that's something that you value to have just this feeling that your life is pure then i mean go for it but it to me it just seemed like wasted energy you know and we're still doing it. I mean, there's there's still all kinds of stuff like that. It's just taking new forms. Like these days, it's uh, ge- genetically modified food and stuff like that. It, it, it seems like we have these things about our food now and oh, the ingredients yeah. and everything like that. And it, it's like it's kind of taken a new form of we have to be real careful about the stuff that we're taking into our bodies and mm-hmm. things like that. So, so look at, you know, what happens when somebody's getting canceled and... I kind of have to wonder what's going on psychologically with the people who are yeah. canceling or the yeah, people yeah the cancelers being canceled. okay the like, cancelers. what is your area of interest here John you think those people the ones who cancel who are yelling for canceling are interesting well yeah uh, maybe more just the phenomenon on a sociological level but okay. that you know what's happening when the group is a sum of what's happening <laughs> with the individuals like everybody contributing to the cancel event is in a way operating on a psychological level sure. and then it becomes a group thing so mm-hmm. to me it's, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting on both levels but if we go by their definition which you can take or leave it seems fairly straightforward something happens somebody that, misbehaves yeah some something right that is this group of people find socially or morally unacceptable and then they just decide that they don't want to be exposed to it anymore 
is that is that it is it like a protection thing like we not not maybe so much that you don't want it to actually be happening but you don't want to be made aware of it i think there's different levels sure. and this is obviously it's whatever you see on social media is just a, an exaggerated form of what's going on but let's talk about a specific example and somebody's individual choice right so recently it came out in the news that the the heiress of the public's dynasty yeah is a far-right supporter of the Capitol insurrection or something. Okay. I don't even know the details on this. We'll but see, let's say that's the truth. Well, see, these days, <laughs> the first two words you use to describe her is enough for 50% of the country to cancel her. You know what I'm saying? Right, but but what I mean is, what do we mean by cancel? So, so at, me as a public shopper, I'm sitting here going, okay, what does this decision look like for me? If I disagree with her fundamentally, do I continue to shop at Publix and contribute to her fortune Right. when she's a trash person, right? And I'm not saying that's what I think about her. I'm saying this is, this is the thought process of a person trying to figure out right. if you're gonna cancel, right? If I can point to someone and say, that's a trash person that I don't think deserves to have certain things in life, including more money out of my pocket, right. then I can decide not to shop at Publix anymore. Sure. Well, I didn't think about this the other day, but yeah. I think there's a distinction between canceling and doing some kind of boycott thing. Mm. I think I, what, I think what you're looking at is more of a boycott thing. Okay, so right? what's canceling to you? Well, canceling, I think, collectively, the group gets together and decides we're going to destroy this person's career. Oh, so, I see. Okay. like, you can boycott Publix, and that might or might not have any effect on this lady's career. Right. If the company's intelligent, like, they'll analyze it impassionately and decide that her political views are presenting a difficulty and a risk to their company. Right. But they, they might not. If you wanted to go after her career you might do it in a different way than than boycotting the store okay i see so i think a good example of this that this happened to was roseanne barr yeah yeah do you remember i do yes her deal where she said those bad things about valerie jarrett and then within a day or two off the show abc she had received enough backlash Mm mm-hmm and they took her off of her show. It was yes. called Roseanne. Yes. Which was enormously popular. They brought it back and it was off to a good start. With yeah. The reboot. Yeah. And they took her off of her own show and kept going. And to, what network was this? ABC. ABC. Okay, so my, this is the group you're talking about getting together and deciding. Yes. Okay. The group quickly got together on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. And, so, so I think, yeah, the career ruining is, uh, is part of cancel culture like the, what you're canceling is somebody's livelihood mm. so we're saying roseanne can't make money any other way than being on this show i don't know that's that's well, what i wonder not. too if they say you can't be on our show are they effectively saying we think that you shouldn't have a right to any career at all or is it just impossible to think that like she could do something else well i think the line of thinking goes she was taken off of her own show she's She's in such bad standing with some segment of the public mm-hmm. that no other show would want her. Ah. Uh, because you, you don't want her either. And the thing yeah, that... she's toxic now. Yeah. And the thing that Roseanne used to do before she was on television, she was a stand-up comedian. That's right. Right? And so if I'm a club promoter... Yeah. Or a concert booker or whatever... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, talent agent. Venue, talent agent. Or you're a venue. <clears throat> yeah. I don't 
know that I want her there, and okay. that's where her career starts to fall apart. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where do you fall in this mix, Michael Blum? Have you ever joined in on a cancel? Or, uh, or you either either the I'm open question. To think. I know I have. have I'm just trying to jump, think of jump which in one they and are. just like retweet it or. <laughs> yeah, I know I have. I don't remember yeah, yeah. specifically, but yeah, I've been in that, that game. And, I've, and, I've, done, I've probably done it on Reddit a half a dozen times. Yeah, yeah. And yelling on social media is like not in my th- list of things I do. But there are places that and things that I won't buy, people that I won't uh, support their whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I so I have my list of things. My problem, as I was saying to think about this, is I am not good at being consistent with this. <laughs> right. So yeah, then how do you either, keep up? Yeah. How do you keep up? Right. But even so, how do you keep up is one problem. My other problem is that even if I know what's going on, I will continue to favor one over another. So... Remember what, what, do you, what do you mean by that? When Chris Brown beat up Rihanna. Yes. Uh, okay, so that's a big disaster, right? We can't support that. So you stopped yeah, listening get, to his music. He's still going. Why is he? St- he still has a career. Right. He's doing great, right? Right. So I was like, yo, I'm out on Chris Brown, right? So you you haven't listened to any Chris Brown yeah, it, since it he beat up Rihanna. No, but I haven't. And for a while, I was doing a lot of screaming about it with right. anybody who would listen. For real? Yeah. Anybody who listens, like, like, Chris Brown's terrible. Don't listen to that guy. He's a jerk. <laughs> but that wouldn't stop me, for example, from listening to Tupac, who went to jail on a sexual assault charge. Oh, I see. So what's the difference? We don't talk about Tupac's sexual assault charge. That's, no. That's not well he got, that's not he well got versed canonized. He was like. Subconscious. Yeah. I didn't even know about it. Yeah. You're just saying that is the first I've ever heard about it. Yes. That's because absolutely Tup- true. Tupac is like rap Jesus. Right. Yeah. Well, he went to prison for a healthy period of time, six, eight months, if I remember correctly, for this. And I say this not to, you know, to bring up old stuff about Tupac, but to show the fact that I'm not consistent with my behavior. Right. Exactly. Right? Like Chris Brown's music is just not as good as Tupac. Right. So that's part He's of not, it. He's not. Yeah. That's yeah, the I'm thing not going to stop listening to Tupac. Nope. I, Sorry. I right. Yeah. And this is why I don't make a big yell and stink about these things is because I do not claim a, the moral high ground. Mm. I am not. That's a good point. My judgment is not good enough. Yeah. To be somebody who claims to be moral yeah. all the time. And whose is? And and this is something John and I were talking about pre-podcast the other day. We were talking about good and evil. And dig into that a little bit, John, because I think what I notice about cancel culture that I don't like, because some of it I do participate in. But the thing I notice I don't like is like, I don't want to do canceling because we've decided that this person we're canceling is somehow morally reprehensible in a way that the rest of us are not. Well, what what does it do for you when you engage in canceling somebody? Do you do you somehow feel like you're morally superior and just the fact that you're calling somebody out for some something on social media puts you on a higher moral standing like do you think that's, that's going part on? of it like I'm nobody's sure. gonna admit that that's how <laughs> they feel when they're doing oh it. i can admit that's part of it i mean that's there's obviously an appeal to that i think the initial thing that i'm thinking like the conscious part of it is 
oh, here's all these people that I follow and tend to agree with on a lot of things. And they've just pointed something out to me that I was not aware of. I'm grateful. I'm like, oh, thanks. I would not have known that. And I join in because it's good to be, to me, it feels good to be part of a group who like, it's our collective power to notice things and point them out to the rest of the group, almost like a, almost like the safety of the tribe thing yeah. that we were talking about last episode, right. where let's all look out and see what we can see. Okay, we've seen something that is bad. Let's let everyone else in the group know, yeah. and now we can we can all be on our guard against band, that band thing. Together against right, that. exactly. But yeah. I think you're right. Part of it is like like I have a higher moral standing. But that's yeah. not conscious to me when well, I'm doing it. I definitely think a lot. Well, go ahead, Blum. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. It doesn't give me a higher moral feeling. Uh-huh. What it does is when I decide I'm not going to participate in something or buy something, is because they are doing something that I think is harmful, and I would like for them to stop. Yeah. So Aunt Jemima came up at our house. Uh, yeah. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. Aunt Jemima is a slave archetype, essentially. It's unacceptable, in my opinion, because it is a a cultural artifact of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with your pancake mix. It's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. I think it's delicious. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm never buying it again. It's the the remnants of the white supremacy Mm -hmm. in your logo. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. What I would like for you to do is stop that. Yeah. You are actually looking for an effectual change as a result of your... Yeah. Or action, and you're hoping enough people participate to where this occurs. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Well, I think a lot of the m- most sensationalized cases have involved some a- aspect of traditionally, back when times were bad, morally, the people would have gotten away with whatever they did. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of the sexual misconduct cases in the entertainment industry, they would have been protected. Mm-hmm. So there's almost like a policing aspect or an activist aspect like we need the to do movement. this yeah. to make sure that these people are held accountable for bad behavior yeah and you and i were talking about harvey weinstein yesterday and, this and is an example of where, where cancel culture may have may have been like yeah, a really good thing and, <laughs> and to me if they were able to the people who did that were able to stop harvey weinstein from continuing to prey on young actresses yeah i think that's really great but it's really it's a good outcome right but but is that canceling as much as it is, hey, this guy needs to go to jail, you know? Like, he's well, done something illegal, uh, right? I think, like, I think <laughs> canceling probably led to... Right. To okay, so it was kind of intertwined there. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. We live in a weird world where you're free to say whatever you want, but it doesn't absolve you of consequences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I think people who cancel, they think they're the consequence deciders, mm-hmm. but they don't always do a very good job of lining the consequence up with the problem. I see. So we have consequences that don't match the offense. Often, and well, not often, but sometimes we're not actually sure what happened. (laughs) Right. Right. We're going to assume. I think that a good example of maybe what one of those was Aziz Ansari, where he had like a, a date that just didn't go well yeah, and the, the girl was it disappointed just <laughs> like a really bad sexual encounter yeah 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 it was just awkward did, and weird didn't involve him crossing a line so much as just being really confused that's what it, right it was like, like it was like miscommunication yeah and 
and as soon as his date spoke up about it, everybody immediately was just like, yep, we're done with Aziz Ansari. And he's like, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> like, so so this, yeah. is, this is what I illustrate, I yeah. think, is the illustration of problem number one. Right. Which is, we don't really know what happened. Exactly. All, all of our opinions on this and other stuff are filtered through the media. Yes. Right. And there is a further problem, in my opinion, which is two people can have the same experience and perceive it completely differently and yes. both be honest. Yes. So I don't even know how to, I don't know how to rectify this. Mm-hmm. I try and think about these things all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's problem number one. Problem yep. number two is the media sensationalizes things for their benefit. Of course. Problem number three is none of us have the time to read all of the media reports we need to. I saw an article. I didn't read it, but I saw the headline. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you go like, man, I really like the Washington Post, and you'll just absorb what they. Oh, just their stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. The Washington Post is my jam, and I'm just rolling with that. Well, you know, they set it up for that. Like, I bought a s- subscription to the New York Times, and like, I read all those articles because they're free, and I'm just like, I can't read all the other. I can't read Washington Post all the time. Right. I, I do five of them, and then I have to pay. So uh-huh. it's hard to diversify your yeah. your news portfolio. Oh, yeah, I'm not paying to read WAPO. I'm sorry. It's not that good. Is New York Times okay? Am I dumb for subscribing? I it was mean, like a dollar a month. Read what everybody else is reading. Oh, dang. I just got called out. <laughs> Should I be on Reddit then, John? No, I'm not on that. Oh, okay. Either. All right. Anyway, so what are your thoughts, John, on the problems Michael know. just can, outlined? Can y'all think of another example of someone who got canceled and probably shouldn't have? I'm shouldn't having a hard have. time. I know. I mean, as even sorry was a good example, but I, did he even really get canceled? He he's, came he's back. He stuff. came back and did his his really awkward Netflix special that well, was kind of funny. But we're, we were talking about Dan Harmon the other day. Oh, Dan Harmon. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know who Dan Harmon is. I see it on the sheet. I don't, I'm not familiar with this person. He wrote. He created uh, Community, the show, and um, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a show. Harmon Town on Netflix, I think. Okay. That is, it's like it's kind of like a mockumentary about his life. So he misbehaved at work. He he was doing things that really kind of gray area stuff. N- nothing like assault, but uh, being a creeper. Misconduct. Yeah, being a creeper, <laughs> sexual misconduct in his relationship with a writer on his staff, and I mean, he kind of hit it head on. He got on his podcast and went into detail about everything he did and explained why it was wrong and everything and through that process and opening up that um, dialogue with the victim kind of i think helps keep his career from being destroyed oh interesting so he's doing fine now okay yeah so it was a combination of the act itself not being particularly heinous okay and his own willingness to wade into what had happened and not gloss anything over just offer like a canned apology like right right and your you know your value statement you know mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. we had a golfer justin thomas he missed a putt and muttered a what do you call it a slur like an epithet a, yeah he said did he really under his breath. yeah he was like was he f- calling the ball no, f- he, he said like you f- under his breath oh calling himself a f- for missing the putt. Yeah. Oh, like, you can't use he must that have word. For, he must have forgot he had the mic on. He probably like did. But uh, yeah, he's having he's having to do like sensitivity training and all this stuff. And Ugh. yeah, I got fined and reprimanded by the PGA, I think. Oh, I don't know about the fine, but 
Well, and of course the issue is, because people let things slip all the time, but if you're mic'd and you're on national television, no, sorry, you don't have the same freedom as other people do, right. like, as I do if I'm in my car on the way to work. Yeah. And the other thing... Not that I say that word in my car on the way to work, FYI, but go ahead. And the other thing, you entertainers make a living on public opinion. Mm. You know that public opinion is a fickle thing. And so when you do something that bothers some segment of the public and they don't want your product anymore, I don't know that you really have all that good of a leg to stand on. This is true. You know, but this gets back to what John and I were talking about with categorizing people based on their bad behavior. Right. How hypocritical are we when we see something Mm -hmm. that somebody does, which is pretty it's a pretty common thing to let a word like that slip but not on national television and if you were you know hanging out with your buddies and somebody let that slip and you found it morally repugnant you could just say hey man let's not drop that bomb but when we see celebrities do it they're on some sort of higher plane of existence in our minds and we're willing to like let them crash all the way down and say i've now categorized you as the type of person who would use that word and you're separate from me. I think this is the problem, where we separate people based on their behior yeah. in such a way that kind of suggests I, I don't put myself these, in that category. We put our yeah. celebrities on these pedestals of being moral archetypes, right. sort of representative of yeah, the moral I, values of the people they entertain. And I think that's the problem, yeah. is that we collectively, and I'll admit I have, I do this as well, uh-huh. uh, is that there are celebrity people we put too much stock in. Justin Thomas isn't better or worse than me, except for he's way better at golf than I am. Right? (laughs) Right. We're not having a morality contest. Right. I've said some really horrible things when I missed a putt. Yeah, for sure. Way worse than that. Yeah, and so that's what I'm saying. We forget really easily when we see public bad behavior by somebody who is in the public eye, we forget pretty quickly all of our bad behavior and we're willing to go ahead and put these people in a different category. And I think that that's the part of cancel culture that bothers me the most is this idea that even somebody like Roseanne, you're like, well, she's just a bad person. So we can all cancel her and feel good about canceling her because she's a bad person and we are good people right and i think that's what relieves the pressure on people and allows them to so easily yeah. cancel people and to me that's virtue virtue signaling is that what it is that's what it feels like to me is if you're on social media and that's what you got is screaming about how bad these other people are right you're doing it because you are you think you're the morality police. yeah yeah i i think that's disingenuous on some level because you are a person and you make poor decisions as well. Exactly. But I back to the golfer, I do think it is okay that he is held to account for using a word that is derogatory towards a large group of people yes. on national television. So yes. If, if something bad happens to him, like the PGA store suspends him for six months. Right. I don't really, actually I don't feel bad for him at all, right? He made a series of decisions you know, that he went to go, you know, go on TV to be golfer and to wear a microphone. And you know that there are higher expectations. Right. So if you do something like that and you're not cognizant of what you're saying, well, then, you know, that's sort of the situation you've got yourself into. Right. This is like a teaching moment. You're learning <laughs> to not do this. It's enough pain. You know, you're uncomfortable enough to where you might change your behavior right. in the and, future. Yeah. And if you think about it in the context of work, 
None of us can go into work and just say any old thing we want. This is true. You know, I teach high school. I don't get to go in and just say any any kind of thing. You could probably get away with it, though. So not anymore. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't get to say any kind of thing, right? Yeah. Because I've made an agreement with my employer that right. I don't get to say any kind of thing at work, and they'll continue to pay me. Right. Let me play devil's advocate yes. a little bit. Sure. Please. I, and I feel everything you're saying, but it feels to me sometimes like we've got a little bit of a religion going on and I don't want to call it the woke religion, but if I call it that, then that's, I think probably the easiest way to get everybody in the room to understand what I'm talking about. And there's a specific set of rules and you better abide by these rules. And it's starting to feel like a religion Mm. to me. It's like if you graduated from college after 2010, then (laughs) <laughs> here's what you're signing up for mm. in your book of laws. It's it's kind of a Bible, and there's some really key points, and you better get on board. And we're not going to have a discussion over the relative values of some of these things. And, I mean, for the most part, I, I agree with pretty much everything, but the execution of this stuff as it flows out in the culture seems twisted to me somehow because when you've got armies of people suddenly caring so much about what somebody said or did on some show that it's it's also weird to me mm. why are we caring so much oh do you think this goes back to like our innate need to worship to have a religion and this is what they have have allowed to become yeah yeah because we all have a kind of religion it, like we all ascribe to a higher thing yeah it seems so similar to the satanic panic back then. Like, <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. And th- and that was a that was a religiously based thing. It it was kind of a weird thing that some people we were associated with were doing with their re- religion, but right. it was steeped in religion. And I think in a large way what goes on in these social media campaigns is kind of hearkening back to our doctrine that we're following regarding the words we say and the taboos of our current culture. Mm. We're we're all kind of getting in line with this strict set of rules. What's the theme of these rules? What's the theme of the the taboos? Like if we could create a Bible for this religion, what would the commandments be? What would be the like running thread throughout? I'm trying to think of something that isn't um, both insipid and offensive at the same time. Right. This is John insulting those of us who graduated after college after 2010. Oh, you don't count. That was I, grad I, school. I, I do. No. <laughs> you know, I graduated in two, 2014. Grad school, though. I mean, it took place in college. It did. That's true. That's true. So I, f- I feel like there's tribalism going on. I was 34. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, tribalism. Wow, we're ba- we're back we're, to our last yeah. episode, which is good. I knew. About, no, oh yeah, I did listen in. I was expecting this to come back yes. up, actually. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a form of tribalism when we like you feel connected with the people that you're joining uh-huh. together with in the cancel movement, yeah. right? And it's based on our set of values uh-huh. that we hold to in this tribe, and we've outed somebody. Like so we've identified somebody who's not with us in this tribe because of these reasons and you are other now mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and it gives you a sense of moral superiority mm-hmm. right right 
And it lets everybody know I'm sticking to the things that I said that I cared about, you know, because we are virtue sig- signaling. Like some of that is in people's bios. Yep. They'll post pictures and videos of them doing things that suggest like, I believe in these things. I'm an activist about these yeah. things. And so cancel culture is just part of that. If I don't cancel this guy, then I'm not being consistent with the image that I'm trying to put out there with everybody. Kind of like how we all know that we're together in a community when we take communion, you know. Or, Absolutely. Or else, like we're we're reaffirming our values. That's right. Or we do the creed, you know. People to stand up and, yeah. and like claim the things that they believe. Yeah, it's a ritual. Yeah. Yeah, and it bring it grounds you. It brings you back to like, oh yes, this is why we're all doing this. Sure. So that can be a good thing. It yeah. can also be a bad thing. And when I have to make judgments on this. What I try and do is go, if I participate in this kind of stuff, is it going to ultimately make the world a better place? Mm. Okay, that's a great question because this brings up another example that I thought of on the way here. Okay, Dustin Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Okay. I forgot he got canceled. So he was was saying some creepy, creepy stuff and just overall being a bad, bad creep. Uh Uh-huh. Bad, bad creep. But that was like in the 1970s. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. But I don't think he got canceled until, like, a few years ago. Right, but his initial creepiness, I think, was reported, like, in the late 70s. And they just kind of brushed it under the rug. It seemed to me this used to kind of happen. Because you remember, or at least I had heard reports of Bill Cosby and the roofies and Mm -hmm. stuff. I'd heard Mm -hmm. about that well before it became what it is now. When do you think you heard Oh, I, I knew about that growing up. I don't know. Did exactly. you really? Yeah. I didn't hear about that till he was getting arrested and charged so, with So it. there's always been little things floating around about Dustin Hoffman. Okay. And I just didn't know about it until recently. Is that what you're saying? I think, I didn't know about that until this came up, but I think that what a lot of it was based on was something that happened like in the late 70s. Okay. Well, so here we have a guy who's really old now. Yes. And... Probably not going to do much more. At no point am I saying in this spiel about Dustin Hoffman that he he shouldn't suffer the consequences for what he did. He should sure. he should certainly suffer the consequences sure. for what he did. Let's have accountability. But here's what's going on at the same time. I used to really enjoy watching a few movies with Dustin Hoffman in it. Sure. Like uh, The Graduate. Okay. You ever, I don't you ever, think I've ever seen it all the way through, but I know every piece of it. It's an am- <laughs> It's an amazing film. And it's yeah. it's a really famous movie. Have you watched it? I've, I've seen little parts of it, but I understand that in the pantheon of cinema, this is one of the really important ones. Yeah. So if you're someone who just enjoys really good movies and recognize the power of this particular film mm-hmm. and some of the ways it communicates the human experience. And now I feel like that's been taken away. From you personally or the whole? Yeah. The whole zeitgeist. Yeah, I'd rather not know about Dustin Hoffman's because I still want to enjoy the So you're an ignorance is bliss kind of person. In that case, yeah. In that case. In that case. Because he's done. It's not like like we have to worry about, oh man, I can't go see the new Dustin Hoffman flick because I don't want to put money in his pocket. (laughs) Right. He's your Tupac. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the same problem. This is kind of Tupac. And this is the bigger, this is one of the other bigger questions. Can I... Or do I have any responsibility to separate the art from the artist? Art from artist. Yes. This is a great... I love this conversation. And I'm so firmly in the camp of it does not affect me at all. So you can separate from the art. I absolutely can because I get 
completely sucked in to whatever entertainment is in front of my face. So you, you'll buy a Chris Brown... Buy, I don't buy music, but if a, a Chris Brown song is on, yeah. my mind does not go to, oh, this dude beat up Rihanna. I mean, it might for a split second, but then I'm just into the song, if it's good. Does he have good songs? I don't he, know. I mean, he's still popular. Okay, okay. I, that's not... No, but if I'm watching, if I'm is watching Chris the Brown's graduate, music good? Uh, yeah, no, it's, let's it's not garbage. even go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, let's let's use Dustin Hoffman. If I'm watching the graduate, yeah. and I know about his creepiness. In fact, he's in a movie that Jerry and I like, where he's he is very creepy. He's being Have creepy? you seen Confidence, the movie? No, it's not a bad movie, and he's being very creepy in it. And I think that's probably one of the ones. If I sat down to watch it again, I'd be like, "Oh, he's really like this." But if I'm watching The Graduate, I'm not thinking about Dustin Hoffman being a creepy guy. I'm just I'm thinking about he is his character. This is Mrs. Robinson. You know, I'm very swept away easily. Okay, that might just mean I'm mentally weak. I don't know, but I I can like I could sit down and watch The Cosby Show, and probably be okay. Even if I thought for a second, "Oh, hey." This is a super awful dude who did terrible things to women. I'd probably just be like, nah, it's fine. He's playing a character. I'm going to think of him as Cliff Huxtable. I can't, like, it's fine. I can't watch movies that way. Really? If, it, if it's a movie I'm really digging into, yeah. I can't help but think of the actor as a person uh, and what they're doing to become the, craft. the character. Yes. And I can't totally get lost in the character like that. I don't know how to tell you how to do it. Maybe you just have to have as much wine as I have before I sit down. You could, you could just drink more. That's true. And I <laughs> let me do some science. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wine what, science. Can you watch the Cosby Show, Michael Blum? No, no. Okay. I can't watch the Cosby Show, and I think this is. I can sometimes separate the art from the artist, but sometimes I can't. Oh, interesting. So I, I'm I, while you guys were talking, I was sitting here trying to figure out what puts me on what. Yeah, it's that. Bill Cosby and the Cosby Show is supposed to be like a wholesome fatherly figure. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's literally it's the so opposite yeah, of yeah, Bill Cosby. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that I, the other person I can no longer deal with is R. Kelly. Yeah. Because all, <laughs> all of his songs are about the sexy stuff. Yeah. But I, you know, I quit R. Kelly after the uh, the PP stuff. Like I was done with him after right, that because I was just like, oh, that's gross. Like right, we talked about that a long time. Ago. <laughs> right, but that was also in the realm of his sexy stuff. Uh, this is true. You know what I mean? This is so true. like he's doing the PPs, yeah, and then but it's part of like his sex thing. There's and then still weird stuff coming out about R. Kelly. I know. He kept up with, I know. with no. like he had he he had like a whole thing going on with like an enterprise, yeah, oh, like an like, Epstein thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. And then so if he was a singer about hopscotch, it might not be so bad. But because but he's, his songs are very sexual, right? Yeah. And I can't I can't get through that. Yeah, there. Are, I'm sure there are many examples of people whose art I subscribe to who have done things that are foul in the past but it seems to me if it's if it's consistent with what they are most famous for yeah, I yeah. can't quite I right can't quite like watching go. Dustin Hoffman in that movie being a creep yeah and I think what I really wish and I don't know maybe I just need to talk through this with more people but but what I find myself thinking when everyone is talking about canceling and, and separating art from artists yeah. and not being willing to do that I guess my whole thing is like, do whatever makes you the most comfortable, but then don't wag your finger when other people can't come along with you on that. Like, I can't make you watch The Cosby Show and be okay with it, just like you can't 
make me stop watching the right. Cosby show, you know? And I think that's the more likely outcome is that once somebody's canceled and everybody's on board with it, now we're looking now we're policing other people and how much you're taking in, you know, yeah, like how dare you shop at Publix? Didn't you hear? I don't know. That's what I want to look out for because first of all, we're assuming that everyone has all the information, uh, which that's not the case, obviously. Or that everyone has to think like you and therefore they would hold the same beliefs about what to do. Right. And which, then if, if you don't hold the same beliefs as you, then you are, that person is also like inferior to you. Right. you are on the moral high ground. Which, which is kind of what we do with religion. And it kind of brings it back to what you were saying. When, we, when we've decided that this is our religion and we subscribe to it, it's like, not only is this our thing, but we want it to be everybody else's. We're trying to evangelize. Uh-huh. We're trying to convert people to this way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. The other, and this is my last sort of thing about this, uh-huh. is there is also a weird shift that has taken place, which is there are people I've seen who have come under fire. And then what they do is they say, well, this cancel culture is out of control. Yes. And it's the fault of these people yes. that I'm in trouble. Right. Right. Like, right. you've behaved badly, and someone's called you out on it, so you're going to blame cancel culture. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there are many... Uh, there was a, a Washington area DJ I grew up listening to, and he this happened to him. And I watched his Facebook page, like, after it happened. Oh, geez. And uh, almost everybody said, you know, you are fine. It's cancel culture has gotten out of control. <laughs> I don't like the idea that you can then blame the cancelers for people as a way to like avoid accountability exactly exactly and And this is what travis was talking about not being willing to sit in what you've done and and maybe the problems you've created oh i love the way he put that yeah yeah yeah. yeah. the dirty diaper Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and this this is a larger kind of discussion of political correctness. Yes. Right? And I, I found it really interesting. I found an article one time that said the the sort of rebellion against political correctness is not only happening here in the United States, but it's actually taking place in large chunks of Europe as mm-hmm. well. And this is sort of seen. I think Poland is like the spearhead. Is it? Yeah. That would surprise me. Of of anti-political correctness? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. It, like a huge national conservative movement. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Like way Poland is right now way more conservative than the US. Poland. Yeah. And like religiously based conservatism, yeah. And Are the, they Protestants there? I guess. No, yeah. no, no. Anyway. And is the woman's name Le Pen? In France, she's almost a fascist. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if she ended up being coming prime minister or became very close. Um, but there is sort of this global move to the right. Yes. And then a lot of these people are also, you know, that one of the problems of the world, they would say, is this political correctness. So I thought... <laughs> Meaning what? It, accountability? <laughs> like, well, they, they would say like, oh, you don't have any right to tell me what to say. Here in the United States, you have some guarantee of free speech and that people can come along and end your career over something that's not even illegal is not cool. I see. So, so just not not calling people out on... Well, they would say, like, if you don't like my brand of humor or whatever, just don't listen to it. Right. But it's there's a big step between turning off the television and then I tweet CBS 11 million times. <laughs> yeah. Right. And How say, much time do you have on your hand? Uh, yeah. And say, 
you know, cancel this person. They can't ever work on television again. Right, demanding that somebody's yeah. head be served up on a platter. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so the left tried to cancel Trump on the, can- the 2016 campaign, and that it only fed into the frenzy and yes. resulted in his oh, election. It what backfired. A, it's like the biggest backfire in the history yeah. of backfires. Yeah. yeah. Just a quick interesting note, because we were talking about Europe for a second, but mm-hmm. the, key, the key issue in the U- European movement to the right is immigration, because Yes. Every modern European nation is facing a lot of immigration due to uh, Muslim refugees. Refugees, yeah. yeah. I think the commonality between the two opposing sides, I guess if you want to say the left, who's looking through everyone's recent behaviors and, and calling people out and maybe canceling, and then you've got the right saying, how dare you, let's do away with the PC. Maybe the commonality there, though, is that both sides are just a little bit blind. Like, there's this bias on both sides uh, where you can't see your own bias or you can't see your own hypocrisy, I guess. Because, you know, we talked earlier about those who cancel are seeing the bad behavior of others and not remembering their own bad behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. But those on the right who are saying, let's not be PC, you're only saying this when it's the behaviors that you're okay with are called out, but you may be willing to call out other things, right? right? And, and there are people on the right who are also cancelers. Yeah, I see it on both sides. Yeah, Canceling so is not, not limited to the that. left. Yeah, no. they just don't call it canceling. <laughs> yeah, but, like, they call it like standing up for America or something. Right, right, exactly. Let's talk about Colin Kaepernick. Uh-huh. He got canceled by the right for speaking out yeah. on racism. And they didn't call it cancel culture, and that never comes up when right. they start screaming "no more cancel culture." Right? You know? It's a it's a sticky wicket. The only thing I can ever try and do to make any sense of any of this at all is to try to take as calm and nuanced a, as approach as I can yeah. to it. So I'm under no obligation to treat all of these things the same way. And if I want to stop and deal with something. I have to do it in like a methodical, calm approach. Yeah. Methodical and calm. <laughs> You're yeah, living in the wrong country. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think that's another, I guess for something so complex as this, there's good sides to it, which we've discussed, and there's bad sides. And I think one of the definite bad sides is we're all getting trained to address something like this in a very ham-fisted way, yeah. like mm. everybody make the decision and disregard the subtleties of you know the circumstances surrounding the events that become um, that which decides whether or not somebody can continue on in their livelihood. And I find that when you take a microscope to an event, it gets harder to make such a basic determination like mm. good or bad. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everybody is in a complex set of circumstances. And we have no idea what it's like to be famous. What are you talking about? I know what it's like. How, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> how would you be if yeah. you were being paid attention to all the time? Like, right. What kind of weird proclivities might you develop if you had to face the stress of people paying attention to you all the time? Yes. Even more so because it's not just that you're exposed to the world through your medium, but now you're exposed to the world 24-7 through your social media accounts. Right. It has to be the most crazy-making thing in the world. Yeah. What kind of weird stuff are you going to get into? Yeah. 
I would probably be the worst creeper if <laughs> if I developed maybe that, yeah that state of mind of being famous and people paying attention to me. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I can't judge any of those people. I have no idea what it's. Do you like. know who can? Tom Hanks. He's the only one. <laughs> he's the only he's one. The only one. Like his sweetheart. Tom. He's he's avoided all the nonsense. He, he's he he's played Mr. Rogers. He is like the archetype of yeah. our traditional moral. Dude, center, I, I swear, if something ever comes out about Tom Hanks, I, I'm over. done. It's over. <laughs> there's nothing. There's no hope left. You were the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a baby seal clubber. We we're gonna find so out much. about it. Yeah, I'm just kidding. We let you be Mr. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> oh man no you're right i think that the nuance the the special set of circumstances these are just things with social media it's hard to give the time and attention that's needed to really parse out like what's going on here and if it was somebody you knew and had a relationship with you know we would give much more grace and patience to some of these some of these cases that are a little grayer and yeah. a little harder to figure out all right final thoughts either of you I love Tom Hanks so much. Uh, yeah, I do too. I'm so glad we're ending on a Tom Hanks note. I'm disinterested in Tom Hanks. Oh, man. You got to get into it. Were you a Mr. Rogers fan growing up? It was okay. It was okay? <laughs> we were we were regular viewers because it was one of two shows we were allowed to watch. Well, that would make it The other viewer, being yeah. Sesame Street. I'd rather say you hate Mr. Rogers. You can't have such a, a milk toast He's okay. standpoint. Yes, on I, yes, I can. <laughs> Watch me. He's all right. All right. Now John's mission in life is to convert you to the love of Mr. Rogers. I think that ship sailed, brother. I'm 40. Oh, my gosh. The land of make-believe is my happy place. I can uh, teach an old blum new Mr. Rogers love tricks. Do you know what the best part of Mr. Rogers was? The videos where they showed, like, stuff being made. Do you know? Crayons. Yeah, yeah. I Tamales. Love I love that. Yes. Do you, like when Mr. Rogers had the uh, the black postman. That was a big oh, thing. Join him, and they sat in at the, the pool, pool and put their feet in the their pool feet. because Mr. Rogers was uncool with people not wanting to swim with black people in oh. the public pools. So he was like, "Look, everybody, this is what I'm doing." Oh, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers is we a real this, one. This really dope documentary about Mr. Rogers. Yeah, there's there's a. Have you seen this? No, but I want to. Is it called Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Something like that. Yeah. Both Lauren and I were weeping at the end. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And it turns out that Mr. Rogers was was a minister or yes. reverend. Yes. Mm -hmm. But he was Reverend Fred. Yeah, but he was into like civil rights movement. He yes, was, he was very like social gospely. Yes, and so he would try and take on things like that. Yeah, through his puppets and show. That's See, that, exactly right. That's that should be our moral archetype, not having none at all. And that is a good place to end. We love Tom Hanks. We love Mr. Rogers. It's a really good place to end. Two people that never were canceled and never will be ever. I'm making the claim right now. Listeners, we love you. Thank you so much. Please subscribe if you haven't. Tell a friend. Get on there. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you get a sec. That would be great. 
And don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Splain underscore yourself to find out more about upcoming episodes, behind the scenes, the other things that we dig up to post that might be of your interest. And if you tweet us, you can speak to me, the yes. Muscle Hamster, directly. It's him, y'all. I will answer your tweet and it'll be your brush with fame. That's right. He is the social media manager. That's right. Get on there. We also have a Facebook group, so find us on Facebook and you can be part of our group. We call you Splainers. It's very endearing. Ugh. No, you love it. Uh, I do, I guess. <laughs> All right, friends. There's only two weeks between episodes, so be ready for the next one on March 1st. In the meantime, stay curious and always be ready to... Splain yourself. Splain yourself. Splain yourself.